Live from Snoopy's Doghouse, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Hi, Tim. Hola. Como estas? Feliz Navidad. Oh, yes. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes. It's a nice place to be. It is. It's, you, it's snowy. It's pleasant. It's kind of funny, though. You and I, we're, we're, we uh, look a little bit more cartoonish than uh Yeah, you, your usual. head is very round. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happened. Uh, I feel like I can't quite even touch the, the, no. the back of my head very yeah, well. I, I don't my arms one, are a little too stubby. I don't want to see myself in a mirror, but I'm feeling pretty good. You look all right. You good, look all right. Good, good, good. There's a you know there's a little Christmas tree ish thing out here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, scraggly here. It looks like it could it could use a little it, some it, more lights. It could use a little work. I mean the doghouse looks nice. Yeah, the doghouse is very well decorated. But it's fun to be here finally. Like I've I've always uh, enjoyed this. I've enjoyed seeing pictures of this place. I've never actually been here myself. Yeah. So. And thank you, podcast. Thank you, podcast. You chose well this time. I feel it's a, a Christmas miracle. I feel a lot safer here than I did in Thra. I'll just yes. <laughs> the, the worst here is tripping while kicking a football. Well, and watch out for that cat next door. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's got a temper, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so you, uh, you've you got your house all decorated for Christmas yet? As of this recording, not quite. We got back from our Thanksgiving, whatever is probably this weekend, we'll decorate it. Yeah, okay. I didn't know if the kids were like jumping up and down clamoring to get it done. just we didn't get back till like saturday evening and then mm-hmm. during the week it was a, it was a late thanksgiving this yeah. year yeah so that makes sense uh, and you're decorated yeah well, i got my tree up at, at home and... is your mandalorian decorated <laughs> i you know i was able to find actually was boba fett actually mandalorian I don't, or did I, he have just mandalorian armor? i think he just had mandalorian armor okay gotta get our star wars trivia right here because even back before all this new stuff I just knew he had Mandalorian armor. I, no one ever. I, I don't remember anyone ever claiming him to be Mandalorian, even back in the old days. Right, right. But yeah, no. I've got I've got your Boba Fett all decked out. He's got a Santa hat on with some like green and red netting stuff that I think I pulled from my Christmas tree. It looks nice. So yeah, he's he's looking quite festive, and yes. he's he's enjoying all the extra attention that Mandalorians are getting nowadays. Yeah. Even if he is maybe not necessarily Mandalorian himself, but this is the way. <laughs> I have spoken. (laughs) Anyways, Tim, shall we go on and get to our story school? So it's Christmas, everyone, if we haven't already made that clear. Mm -hmm. So we decide um, this year for our Christmas episode to tackle... Biblical adaptations. Of course, we've done adaptations before, and we've done previously on about adaptations before, I think. When was our adaptations episode? It was a long that, time that ago. That was an early one. That was like yeah. 20s, 30s? Something like that. But uh, 1920s or 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Not that long ago. It might have been in the... Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, McClunky. Have you have you seen the, st- the things about McClunky? <laughs> I have not. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> uh, we're derailed already. Wow. No adaptations were was a long time ago. I think it goes all the way back to episode eight. What? 
eight single digits. We've been talking about it for a while. Yes, yes, we have. Well, I mean, it it was a pretty natural topic, I think, to pick. Yeah. But biblical adaptation is a certain type. You've got different expectations, different different rules in some ways. Different rules to meet. Now, again, this is where it's good to remind listeners, since we don't advertise our podcast as a Christian podcast. We just happen to be Christians that talk about stories, and this is going to be one of those episodes that delves into that and the theology of telling stories from the Bible. Yes. And again, because, you know, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is a distinct book versus just, oh, it's just a nice collection of stories yeah. that we believe is history and that it was also inspired by God. And so there's certain, at least as Christians make adaptations or watching them, you have certain expectations that are different than if you're adapting a comic book. Mm-hmm. Or even history, in some ways. And the church has been adapting the Bible, telling the Bible stories in new, fresh ways for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. as far back as, you know, the early—I'm trying to think when actually—I was looking at the scene when I started. I want to say, like, early Middle Ages, like okay. the 1200s. I think there was Christian art before they started doing, like, plays of it. Yeah. In some ways, though, you could even say that the Bible sometimes adapts itself. Yeah. Like the Psalms, we've talked about how the Psalms will recount their history in a poetic a form. Way. Yeah, that's very form. true. So that, so in that sense, it's sort of retelling its own stories. So obviously it's Christmas here. And so, you know, one of the most common, and I just think this is interesting, is that you just have your, your elementary kid, shepherd, Christmas pageant. And, and yeah. again, not that there's much to say about that, but it's an interesting phenomenon but that... I don't think there's anything else that kids regularly do a play of. I mean, you know, you get Thanksgiving pilgrim things occasionally and yeah, stuff. But it's a, I mean, it's kind of just part of at least where I am from, from Midwestern Christian school thing. You just do. Uh huh. And again, most of most time, it's very, you know, every kid me- memorize some passage from the Bible. They come with the microphone awkwardly, say it too fast or too low. <laughs> stumble off and they stand around, you know. And again, there's a lot of like the one I watched this week that my daughter was in was actually not a play. It was more like a they would sing song and they'd share some verses, but it was they they've moved away from the from the actual dramatic. Yeah, the like you walk in and there's Mary and oh, okay, yeah, that sort okay. Of thing. Were they still up on stage? Or... They would go up on stage to sing and then take turns going up and saying things about. Okay, okay. I like the theme was hope, and so they they've they varied it up now because I think it has just been done a, a lot. lot. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, and I mean that sort of biblical habitation that like the church plays the reenactments. It's almost more of a ritual than mm. a, a recounting. Uh, remember this; these are these are the characters. This is how it happened. It's like a live read through the Bible, essentially. Yeah. Essentially, that's kind of what that is. And, I, and I, you were in an Easter one. Yes, I've been. I've been in several. I've been in two different Easter okay. plays, and yeah, Easter plays are also a pretty important passion plays. Mm-hmm. There's this one passion play that I've been to, I went to one time in Germany in the town of Oberammergau. Oh, nice! Uh, which puts on this passion play once every ten years. Wow! It's this huge production that like basically took the entire day. Essentially, like you you break for lunch. Wow! In the middle of it, you know, I think they've been doing it for like some hundred years or something like that. So ten times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember how long exactly, but it was it was a big to do. I think. I want to say this was the year, yeah, I think it was the year 2000 when I okay. went, so it must be like all the, the... So so next year. Yeah, next year. They probably, they're probably doing it again, so... Nice. So anyway, I guess I just want to get those out of the way because it's a staple of, in many ways, church life. I know down in Brazil, they do plays like that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a very... 
it's you know a living parable. It's a way of acting out things that you believe that you think really happened in history. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's I say like the kids' pageant of it is almost like ritual, but some of these like the Easter musicals or what have you, they they still do explore ideas. There's definitely still an art to it. It's not just reciting scripture. Mm, yeah, I, the the more um professional they get, the more it's like it's still very deeply anchored to scripture but it's they they expand upon some of the human elements or some some of the themes or whatever mm-hmm. especially if it's a musical they're making yeah. it may become more worshipful at times mm-hmm. the one that they do at first assembly in fort wayne is certainly like that talking adaptations being part of so you helped film the revelation oh, dance yeah. thing yeah there, that was a i did film a revelation dance recital, I guess. So there's there's a local dance ministry that does a big production at the end of each year. The year before that, they had done like a whole like biblical story and like Revelation was just like the last dance or something. But one year, I think this was in 2016. Yeah, I, I filmed they did, the Revelation was their whole recital and it was really cool. And it actually worked really well because Revelation is such a kind of abstract book in in a lot of ways. The story is very like impressionistic in places mm-hmm. and dance actually turned out to be a really I would not have expected this but it turned out to be a really since dance you know that kind of like almost interpretive dance yeah. kind of stuff is abstract by its nature well it just it flowed really well and it one of the smartest things I thought they did about it is they didn't go into any interpretations of the book of Revelation which is yeah which is good because that, that's a whole can of worms <laughs> But they just presented the story just going strictly off what the actual words said. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting and really got you in the mindset of, like, this is going to be a big deal. And it was a cool artistic expression of it. And I think some of the best—I mean, obviously, any visual adaptation, it's important for us because it helps us, like, visualize what sometimes—I mean, the Bible is a great work of literature. But it's it's written in a specific style that doesn't always connect as— in the same ways that some of us connect nowadays. Yeah, with we come from a very different culture. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know not just you know location wise, but time wise. And there's a lot of culture that's assumed in the Bible that you don't always know. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about these adaptations is when it's able to distill the essence of that without sacrificing any truth of it, mm-hmm. but just expounding upon what might have this been like. And I think it's always beneficial to have a especially the more realistic adaptations, to see it realistic. Because sometimes, it, like if you grow up in the church, they always call them Bible stories, and you hear just the kind mm. of the, the safe version. Yeah. And then when you actually, it's like, oh, wait, in real life, this would have been, Mary being pregnant, that, that, without being married, that'd be, that'd be kind of weird and hard. And, yeah. Or like, oh yeah, Jesus suffered on the cross. Like, No, he th- suffered. Like, like Passion of the Christ is brutal. Um, brutal. And it's... I. I I've seen it twice. <laughs> I've only seen it once. And it's it, it's super rough, but I'm very thankful for it because yeah. of the, the what it communicates that the Bible... Because here's the thing. In biblical times, crucifixion was a thing people knew about. You didn't have to go around... Mm. Explain explaining it. Explaining it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because like the most... I think the most visual version of the crucifixion in the Bible is like in Psalm something or other. A prophetic psalm about Jesus being crucified, but... yeah. Yeah, that's true. The actual Gospels don't describe it. They're like, as... yeah, and he died, you know, and... Yeah. So anyways, I think the real... the There's ones that are trying to be very historical, very, you know, you got Passion of the Christ, you have... The Nativity was pretty reasonably historical, from my memory. The, oh, the movie, the, the new, newer, newer one? Yeah. I'm I mean, sure. nine more it is, but... Not anymore. It was earlier this decade. Yeah. 
Also, I know there is a, um, I meant to look this up. There's one adaptation, I think it's of the Gospel of Luke. Oh, yeah. I think this is the one, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's one that actually, like, verbatim quotes scriptures and actually has the scripture reference on the I, I, on the screen. The only thing I think I've seen a little bit of it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I think it's Luke or John. No, it's probably Luke. Yeah, I want to say Luke. I'm not entirely certain, but I think it's that one. Well, then you got like the you know sometimes these are used evangelistically, like the Jesus film, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which are. What do you think, Tim? How much leeway should come from Christian? Should a Christian have with adapting these things? Well, I think there's always going to be some that's just inherent mm-hmm. due to the time that because filmmaking techniques change over time, culture changes over time. We actually did this interesting experiment or exercise, I don't know what you call it, when my redemptive cinema class back at Regents, where we watched various film adaptations versions of The Last Supper. Okay. Back to back. And it was it was very interesting because it ran a different gamut. You know, different films emphasized different things, had different tones. I mean, I'm trying to remember how many we saw. There was like a black and white one. There was, I want to say maybe Jesus of Nazareth. Maybe it was that film. Maybe it was another one. But it kind of made me feel like I was watching a, a moving stained glass window. Okay. Like, I mean, I don't think that was purposeful, but it had this very, you know, Jesus had this very, like, somber look the mm-hmm. entire time, and everything seemed to move almost in slow motion. Okay. <laughs> and that this is from, like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Catholic-funded thing done yeah. in, like, the 60s or, or 50s, even. Um, in comparison, there was a more modern 90s or early 2001s. I think it's the one actually where, um, is it the adaptation that's where uh, Desmond plays Jesus? Oh, okay. I'm not sure if it's that one or if it's another one. There's this one adaptation where Jesus is pretty cheery for most, like he's, it's an interesting choice because it portrays Jesus with an abundance of joy. Yeah. Which is an interesting interpretation and it, it made it for an interesting I remember we're seeing that, and I think even in the Last Supper, he was he was very warm, even during rather than being somber. It's like, yes, I am leaving you, but he's like, no. He, the amount of love that Jesus extends to his disciples okay. was very evident in that version. So it's, I think it's inherent that any biblical adaptation is going to, like any art, is going to f- focus on different details. And you know what? I think that's natural because if you think about it, the Gospels themselves, are adaptations of what actually happened in the sense that. They're not making stuff, but they're reordering or picking and choosing what they find important. What they focus on, yeah. Matthew is all about the prophecies. Luke was more making it accessible to all people. John's like, well, everything else everyone didn't cover, I will take care of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no, but I think it's, there should be a certain amount of freedom, in, at least in the sense of rearranging things, highlighting things. I mean, within boundaries. Mm-hmm. For someone, again, we're talking about Jesus. There's a lot of other parts of the Bible that maybe have even more leeway to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But at least for a Christian, there's certain things you can't change. Yes. You know, that there's certain inherent theological things that should be highlighted. Now, from a non-Christian point of view, it's interesting because sometimes you get things like, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. Alexander Lloyd Webber. I was just seeing a little bit of that. There, John Legend, the singer, recently did a, has a version of that on Broadway. I don't know if it's still going or not, but just on PBS the other night, they were showing some of it, and it's in a very urban setting yeah. compared to like the original like 70s oh yeah almost like historical hippie almost is what it feels like and, and, okay and i'll admit like i really dig the music in that in that play like i i have like i could quote a lot of it right now mm-hmm. but it's interesting when we watch it theologically it's very much a skeptic's mm-hmm. view it's mm-hmm. very much judas is a main character the judas pro- like are almost you, the protagonist yeah he's like are you really who you say you are like 
Mm. Couldn't you have done this differently? It does a very good job of showing Jesus as man, but it doesn't actually believe Jesus is God. But even, I think, it's interesting when a secular person does adaptations because sometimes they'll highlight stuff that you might not think of sometimes. Like, I I remember, um, it's either Oscar Wilde or the other guy around that time um, wrote Time Machine. What's that guy's name? Oh, H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells or Oscar Wilde. I don't know why to get to make uh, why there. <laughs> but one of them said, like, he didn't believe in the Bible, said the main point of Jesus' coming was the kingdom of God. And because it really is. And, like, he could, you, they can still find things sometimes differently because they don't have the same, they come from outside, but they're mm-hmm. looking at it seriously. So anyways. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think you have to take those cases carefully. Yes. Like, I'd, I don't agree with like the boycotting method unless they're being purposely disrespectful for it. Yeah. But a lot of times when when a secular person does a biblical adaptation, they're coming to the Bible often as like it's a source of mythology, mm-hmm. essentially. That's that's tend to be their impression of it. Which obviously as Christians we don't believe it's mythology, we believe it's real, but there's a different it, at that point it becomes like they should adapt it just like you would adapt other things with respect to a source material even if they're not going to be yeah. as beholden to it. Did you watch the Exodus one that um Ridley Scott did? I have not. I've not either. I heard that he made some interesting choices about the burning bush and stuff mm. like that. I yeah. don't remember. I mean, and there's there's been a lot of those out there. I mean, they had the Noah one. Someone did. Yeah, that was one I was thinking. There's. I remember. I think that was when I was in high school. That Noah's Ark thing. Oh, oh no, no, this is. Oh, you're. Oh, talking well, are about, you talking about the TV movie Noah's Ark? Yeah, that NBC yes. thing. Yeah. Oh, that like, was so horrible. Oh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's a case where like they just like mix. I think they combine Abraham with Sodom and no, Gomorrah like, with Noah. Like, there's the Ark, the Sodom and Gomorrah. Then there's the Ark. Uh-huh. And then there's pirates. And yeah. then, like, lots hanging out in, with a pirate. It's like, it was completely insane. It, it was, was ridiculous. It was dumb. I remember, I'm pretty sure we stopped watching at some point, like, Noah's conversation with God. God was, like, talking as if he hadn't really decide, made up his mind about how uh, he was going to, yeah. what the rules were going to be. <laughs> and they were like, what? That's, that's stupid. <laughs> so th- there's a case where it's an adaptation well, you're not treating the source material with respect. No, adaptation is treated with respect, Prince of Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Like, secular thing, but I remember them, from my understanding, they had asked a lot of scholars how this happened, and, mm-hmm. and you could have some beefs with little bits here and there, but generally... I mean, they, they, a, they amped up the idea of Moses and, and the Pharaoh having grown up together more than is strictly in the biblical narrative, but it's not against the biblical yeah. narrative, so it's an interesting idea. And again... You know, as Christians coming to these things, you always say, like anything else, the Bible's the fact, and then you, you judge it. Like, yeah, you, it still might be entertaining. It might just be helpful yeah. even in yeah. some ways. Did you ever see The Last Temptation of Christ? I have never seen that one, no. Um, I, I saw this in undergrad at some point, and that's one of those movies that had a lot of protests. You know, it came out like early 80s, I think. Yes. And so it had a lot of pushback from the church. But the movie does, at the outset, like there's a... There's a title card that says at the very beginning, this is not an adaptation of the biblical narrative. This is an artistic exploration of Jesus' story. So when they come out with that sort of disclaimer, I think the church in some ways does a disservice in not hearing the artist out. Mm. I mean, that's a Scorsese movie. And the actual last temptation of Christ is, you see, during the crucifixion scene, Jesus comes off the cross mm. and then tries to like have his followers go along with that for for a period of time and then it, you know his movement tries to continue going forward but at some point it starts falling apart 
And then eventually you come to realize, oh, Jesus did not actually get off the cross. This is all kind of a in his head sort of moment. Okay. Like, well, exploring yeah. the ramifications of what happened if he did get off the cross. So it was an interesting exploration. And yeah, it felt it felt wrong in a lot of ways to, to watch that sort of story unfold. But but yeah, when you see someone exploring these ideas in an interesting and I, th- I would say with artistic integrity from mm-hmm. where Martin Scorsese was, this was something he genuinely wanted to explore. And like, I remember one scene that like from earlier in the movie that resonated as, as accurate. There's a scene where Jesus is explaining something to one of the disciples and Jesus asks, do you understand? And the disciple starts to nod. And then so he like shakes his head. No. And, and like, I think all of us, you know, reading sometimes Jesus words be like, Lord, I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a tricky thing because you can't really expect non-Christians who treat Jesus as Christians do. I mean, you don't obviously we don't like him to be insulted or degraded, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing as a viewer or a reader mm-hmm. because he is going to be regularly misunderstood and insulted by non-Christians anyway. That's sort of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was reading or listening to Philippians not too long ago, and Paul talks about how there are some people near where he was that would preach the gospel, but for wrong reasons. But Paul's like, I don't really care as long as the gospel gets preached. Yeah. Which there's something to that. And like, if the the non-Christians are, if they're telling it in an honest way, I don't want to denigrate them. Obviously, I want to say, okay, well, this is what I agree with. This is what I disagree with, but it's not worth it's not worth running that yeah. down. So moving on from strict adaptations, there also is a whole kind of collection of movies, books around the Bible. Hmm. I, it's not quite the same adaptation, but it's, it's an interesting thing that authors do sometimes because they feel like they can't change much of the actual story because they respect it, but they still want to do something in the same setting. In the same setting with with concurrent or related. Like this is something like, that takes place at the same you got time. Ben Hur, the robe. In more recent years, I've talked about uh, my respect for the movie Risen. Risen, I, yeah, I was thinking about that one. Which is about the, a centurion investigating after Jesus has been resurrected and basically eventually meeting Jesus himself, which is a super interesting scene. Not, yeah. not only that when he first like encounters Jesus face-to-face, but later on there's this conversation. And it's like, part of you is like, this is really odd having like this fictional dialogue with Jesus. Uh, yet at the same time, the story wouldn't be complete if you didn't have it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a super interesting movie that I, I respect a lot of their and choices I think, there. I think those cases really because the the creator wants to work through the the ramifications of again in these cases the crucifixion resurrection, but you have a little more leeway with characters with responses if you can move away from what's written, you know, so you yeah. can you can so intersect. It's a little easier for for people who aren't artists themselves to understand what they're trying to do mm-hmm. if, if they're not like well you didn't tell exactly how the you know because even prince of egypt has some detractors that'd be like that's not how it really happened yeah you know, put their hands on their hips and, <laughs> and shake their head but um but it's a little easier for people and it's a little easier to fend off those sorts of accusations if it's like well we're not telling we're telling a story that's kind of next to it yeah, and they get that a little bit easier. So what? Because we've been talking a lot about the nativity story, and then the crucifixion, 
what other stories do we have that are have been told routinely or at least a couple times? I mean, you have like the Bible miniseries kind of went through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And I saw bits and pieces of that, and it was it was interesting. Yeah, I would like to see a lot more. I mean, and then there's Ten Commandments. Yeah, Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the other stuff. Most of our biblical adaptations we're talking about like Christian media, essentially. Like, or, like oh, um, Superbook. Yes, <laughs> Super. I was not expecting you that. Yes, Superbook was was great. I mean, that's that's a whole genre of story where you send kids from modern times back <laughs> yeah. to that. Or, Adventures in Odyssey did a lot of that kind of stuff uh, too. Did with you see the Hanna-Barbera one where the oh, archaeologists? Yeah. Those were great. Yeah, those those were fun too. Those were mostly Old Testament stories where they had yeah kids going back in time and hanging out with Samson and yeah, and, and those are interesting because then you do the story as you want, but you have this kind of running commentary. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I think that the running commentary. Was a was a popular thing, I think, with kids media for a while. I mean, even VeggieTales does VeggieTales. So, I mean, they, they'll like read, and they do a lot of updates. They've done Esther, and they've, mm-hmm. do, they've done a lot of Bible stories, actually. Jonah. <laughs> well, sometimes they'll put it in completely different garb. Like yeah, and, and Shadrach, and, Meshach, and Abednego is Rackshack and Benny. <laughs> and it's interesting because what they do is take the kind of the and again, like I'll do this sometimes. And there's certain people don't do as much with like with the crucifixion because that's the yeah. center of everything. But with a lot of other stuff. People don't mind doing kind of a humorous version mm-hmm. because it's a good way to get to the point. Yeah, you get to you can throw a lot of jokes in the midst of like the actual storytelling, and it, it keeps kids' attention really. Easy and it's been it makes it a lot fun, and it it brings out the humor of like really Balaam. You're gonna have your donkey talking to yeah. you, like you you can't get this idea through your thick skull. <laughs> like this is not what God wants you to do. <laughs> And I think it's a way of helping, you know, rehearse these stories. And I think the danger sometimes with the kid ones is that it becomes just stories. Yeah. Fun stories. Yeah. But, like, we always have, you know, people do skits and you got, you know, Bill Cosby doing the, what's a cubit? You know, for <laughs> Noah's for Ark. Noah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Because there's a lot of strange cultural things that are easy for, you know, as you're translating, you kind of poke fun at all the stuff that is like, this strange. Is a, this is a crazy name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know, this is a little off topic, but I, I've been told that Esther, the book of Esther... Jews used kind of like do little plays all around and like hiss at oh um, Haman Haman and like cheer when Mordecai would show up and like it would be like kind of like like we do with our nativity for their um, okay what's the holiday Pur- oh um not Purim it was but that's, Purim if it only had, yeah that what they still call it that's what it was called back then I don't remember okay. That. But yeah, I've been told that it was this whole sort of play thing they would do. And I can totally see that. I mean, like Esther feels like, especially like when Haman gets caught, yeah. it's like a comedy of errors. Like one thing piles another after the, I want to say poor guy, but he totally had it coming. It's <laughs> these, like, I think adaptations that has a, has a way of helping us reconnect to these things that are important, but you put it in a new garb so that you remember what's important about it at its best. Yeah. Now you've done some speaking of nativities, yes. Christmas. You've done a fair number of these I've done like for your youth, of these things now or something like that. <laughs> and you've you've put it in like all kinds of different garb. Yeah, I, I've done science fiction. That was fun. <laughs> where uh, yeah, Jesus was basically like an invasion on this planet controlled by you know this demon, uh, and very darkly, like and like people like martyrs and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, that was fun. Um, did time travel. Where the guy went, that we would jump through time as if Jesus hadn't been born, how it changed all the old Bible stories and stuff. You did a uh, podcast series. Was it that was last year? Wasn't yeah, and, it? I, and we need to link again because it's, we put it back out. Sure. This year, well, like on back our, out. Was it not? No, but I mean, like on the on the church webpage. And oh, stuff, I so see. you can just listen there. Yeah. Um, where we basically did kind of a, a 
99% percent invisible for it. like like research like basically because Luke talks about hey I'd research it and report it to you when he writes the books I'm like oh we're just going to do this but as if you research it as a podcast uh-huh. it's um, called from the beginning from right? the beginning because because Luke says I've looked at everything from the beginning etc nice um and it's it's fun I think it it worked decently well mm-hmm. it has some commercials in it which are interesting <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but again, because my goal writing these Christmas plays for the kids generally are how can I make this Christmas nativity story, which has been, if they grew up in the Christian church, kind of just old hat, how do we make them remember how amazing it actually is? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. adapting it is a way to pull out the nuggets in a different way. Not because you're saying that's not how it, how it actually happened, but just because... It's like most stories. You want you escape to this so that when you come back, you see things differently. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's the one of the best uses of adaptations, especially in this sort of setting. And it is it is very important this time of year because it's yeah, Christmas and Advent is uh, it's it's a powerful tool to really get us back into the the mode of wonder of like mm-hmm. this amazing thing that God has given us. And yeah, just the, you know, the the love and the, the I mean, the incarnation's insane. Yeah. But we just like, oh yeah, it's a baby. And, you know, <laughs> and you're like, no, it, I mean, it is, but it's far deeper than that. It's what it all means. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we've got. Yeah. I think it's, it's a special tool and I'm, I'm glad that we get a whole holiday season to enjoy it. Yeah. All right, Tim. Oh, I guess I'll do soundtrack. All right, so for my soundtrack, I decided to pick something sort of vaguely religious sounding. Because, well, we're talking all these adaptations and everything. Mm-hmm. This is a, a from the Final Fantasy 1. We've not remixed. Whoa. I know. No. Like old school. Our first uh, first Final Fantasy 1, which is when it's not even called Final Fantasy 1, just Final Fantasy. It was going to be the Final Fantasy until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, until they decided, oh, this is successful. Let's make more of these. Um, it's remixed from the church theme because you used to have to go to a church to go like resurrect your friends and stuff. Heal. Heal people. Um, it's remixed by Jordy Francis and Shadow Dreamer. It's called Vivo Revenus. It is sounds vaguely Latin. It's not. It's Esperanto, which is that made-up language. I mean, purposefully made-up. Yeah. That they thought would be universal. Was, a, was Latin not a made-up language? I thought it was for a time, but apparently not. I think it was just what the Romans talked. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay, fair enough. I think. Anyways, enjoy.
I hope you enjoyed that vaguely religious sounding song. Vaguely uh, spiritual, Very, vague, yeah. vaguely Latin. So you could go in a, in a vaguely religious adaptation. but <laughs> Not to be too specific about no, it. No, <laughs> no, just if something would happen that would be kind of like Christmassy. No, okay. Anyways, so next we're going to go to... So for what if today, we thought we'd tackle, since we're talking about biblical adaptation, adaptations, what if certain stories that have not been covered or very lightly covered were adapted? And I think these could both be somewhat serious adaptations and also just ridiculous. You know, we can do musicals, we can do cartoons, okay. we can do whatever. I know we've said not too long ago that both of us would really love to see like a serious mini-series done on the life of David. Oh, man. I want to do 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 King, 2 King. I do the whole gamut. Yeah, that would be awesome. And here's the thing. It needs to be, it needs to be gritty in the sense, not, not, not like overly violent, or, but it needs to be realistic. Mm. And again, I don't know how you do this balance, but it needs to be, you know, be David's political. Uh-huh. I'm doing, <laughs> doing Bible study on Sunday morning with the youth of 1 Kings. First Kings chapter two, like Solomon kills like four people. Yeah. You know, he's just like, oh, uh, okay, Joab, you're dead. Yeah. There's some violent stuff in some of the King's books, like Jezebel getting tossed yeah. out the window and then eaten up by dogs. And, and I think, like I told the youth this, like part of the reason I want to do this book is to show you that like God's working in the in the politics and the everyday mm. stuff. And so what I would love to see is these things that both treat these characters honestly and realistically but also don't negate the the thread of God working through yeah. these people and mm-hmm. these, these sometimes very fallen people, <laughs> especially in some some of the kings. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that would that would be great. That could be a, a real political thriller, a period piece political thriller, which I think would be interesting. Like that's one of the other things that was particularly interesting to me about Risen is that it wasn't just a Bible story. It was also like a Bible story procedural, like mm-hmm. a Bible story detective story, which I'd never seen before. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see more biblical adaptations pull elements, because, I mean, that stuff is in the Bible. Yeah, like if exactly. you If you really like dial into that, that aspect of some of these stories, it could be cool to see, yeah, bring out the political nature of the, I mean, Heck, I mean, I, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but a lot of the scuttlebutt about that is just about the political machinations mm-hmm. yeah. and the in, the interplay and dealings and it, things like there's that. There's stuff like that going on in Kings and Samuel. Oh, it yeah. Just, which reminds me, you never watched Kings, did you? The TV show that was on for like a season? Mm. That was, it was like modern day, but it was basically David and Saul. Uh-huh. It was pretty interesting. I mean, it was it was an interesting, again, adaptation. But in a different setting. Yeah, it so was modernized. I mean, it was not, it was more inspired by than... Okay. 
but it had some interesting stuff going down. And that, that you know, makes me think you could do this and make it realistic. I mean, the hardest thing would be in an adaptation like that, it, either people would move it too safe or leave the deeply religious stuff out of it. And yeah. you have to, there is that tension that you need to keep. Yeah, you have to find the right balance. It has to, you have to stay true to the, to the word, but also explore the ramifications of who these people were. And and again, you have a lot of room because there's a lot of stuff that's not said that you could oh, sure. play yeah. with Expound upon, yeah. yeah. yeah so that's, our, that's at least a serious what if. Like, I'd watch that. Netflix, Disney uh, Plus, whatever you want. More <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, that would not be a Disney Plus no, thing. No, no, that's a that's a Netflix slash Hulu sort yeah. of Like, location. I don't want like an M. I want like a PG-13, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Job's going to kill people. Mm-hmm. That's what Job does. Yeah. You know, but. So, okay, kind of on the medium skew of seriosity. Seriosity. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Making up words today. What what do we do a anime version of the Book of Judges? Oh man, <laughs> he's like, oh man, that so, would be so like that. That is where you can get away with like all the the super violent scenes that are in the Bible, but like because the anime is, tends to be a bit more stylized, a bit a little bit more abstract. You, you can get away with some of the stuff that would be I wouldn't actually want to see in live action. But... Yeah, but could not you see Samson like? Like the the scrolling the the stuff in the background, he's like with his jawbone, and he just starts uh-huh. killing people. And <laughs> oh man, I'm not sure if that's disrespectful or awesome, but <laughs> but I mean that's I mean you read the Book of Judges for like the brutal violence yeah. factor. Like you want to you wanna... like the fat king, like oh he just dabbed exactly really like as as a middle schooler, you you always want to like let's go read the book, read the story of Jehu. <laughs> like, yeah, oh man, he stabbed him all the way through, and like the sword. The fat swallowed up the hill. Well, like, it reminds, that's cool. It reminds me of the Action Bible. You read the action, like the comic book Bible. I, like, yeah, I've seen. Theo has that. has that, and, but but anime would be just great on. You'd have all these. Like, could you just imagine like the the intro music and the like the <laughs> the all the all the judges like twirling around and doing <laughs> yep. poses and like Deborah like pulling Barrack by his. Thing. Jail stabbing the guy through the head yeah. with a tempeg. Now the tricky thing about all this is that, yeah, to make all the judges feel like superheroes, where you have stories like Gideon, where Gideon's like cowering in his tent, and it's very obvious that Gideon did not win his victory by himself. It yeah. was definitely God ordained. See, you Gideon kind of like Trigon, where he's always like all down, and then he's like glove and pee, you know. But you like <laughs> you have like this bipolar nature, where it's like I don't know. I mean. It, I don't know how you do it. Like the scenes would be good as an actual series, be a little rough to do in a way that would be biblically honest. Bi- biblically honest. Yeah, like it's fun. Like doing some parody, like short version would be hilarious. <laughs> yes. Like I want to see the anime intro now. Like, but like, do you do the end of judges? Does anyone want to see that? Uh, okay, maybe like, not. Now there are some really dark anime out there. There are some, and but that's not really the kind of stuff I go for. Yeah, I I would be okay with skipping the last. Was it, Just the end last with Samson. Couple? Yeah, is Samson the last judge before we get to the I crazy so. like uh, like let's cut up this concubine, <laughs> the, the murder <Mail> delivery. Spree. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, it's it's. I mean, judges is taken seriously is super dark. Yeah, I mean, even the even the good guys and judges are kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the fact that Israel kept going through the same problems over and over, never learning their lesson. Yeah. You know what? We need like a I don't know what you what you take, but it seems like there should be some sort of 
um, the storyteller from J- Jim Henson Storyteller, mm. him doing some sort of adaptation. Ooh, that'd be, that could be he, cool. he did good myths and stuff. You could do sort of a... Yeah. That style, yeah. that would be... That would be great. That kind of like, yeah, it's it's based in the oral tradition, but you go from the storyteller telling the story to the scenes of it happening. You know, some of the and, wisdom stuff, yeah. like you tell Job that way. Oh, that could be interesting. That would be a really interesting style for Job. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Okay, do it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> What else? You could do Esther that way. You could do Esther that way. Ruth. Ruth. You could do Ruth almost that way. I mean, you could probably do Judges that way, too, but I like the anime better. (laughs) Although Ruth, I mean, yeah, some sort of teller stuff was romantic. You could could do Ruth like Hallmark. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like just time for Christmas. I'm kind of picturing the, like, Ruth Boaz, like, there's got to be some great tagline, like... When you lay at his feet, your world will change forever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. No, but, like, actually, uh, like, semi-serious, and I'm sure this has been done. I'm sure a good semi-serious, semi-romantic romance version of Ruth has been done somewhere that I have not seen. Mm. But you could certainly do it. And you could, I mean, you could do the Hallmark version, too, but. Did you ever see, did your church have, there was this animated series it did a lot of bible stories it didn't some old testament stuff that hasn't been done quite as much i can't think of what it was I don't, it was made by ness entertainment the remember the director was richard rich which i always think is like like richie rich but <laughs> now it doesn't sound familiar okay i can't i can't think of what the name of the series was but it did it did some story i remember it did ruth and it did esther and it did some of these old oh, testament ones that I hadn't seen a lot of coverage for. Speaking but. of, I should pick brothers up a story school. Have you seen One Night with a King? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's the Esther, like, based on a novel, and then they did the movie. Like, my mm-hmm. wife really enjoyed that one. It was a... I think I did. Very that, interesting adaptation. Like, pretty realistic honest. looking. Yeah. yeah. That was a good adaptation. I don't have much more to say about it, because it's yeah, been a I, while, but... Yeah, I just, I just had forgotten that they had actually done a kind of a Hollywood-level uh-huh. Esther before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what else... A comedic version of uh, Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> no, here's what I think. You know how Muppets used to do the fairy tales, like fairy uh, tale, like on the Muppet Show, or no? Like, did they have a whole like fairy tale? Not like a oh, they have, that was a, like a directed VHS thing. Okay, like the Muppets anyway, classic they, theater. They just didn't do all the parables. Oh, okay. Muppets doing the parables would be pretty great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I how much that's good, I don't know, but I can see you know, Prodigal Son. It's Gonzo because he's a weirdo. <laughs> It'd be interesting what sort. Of, yeah, I have to really explore what sort of what like, you bring to those characters to do. Like the um, you know, with the talents, you could have the count, the one counting the talents out when he comes back. <laughs> ten, ten talents. Ah, ah, ah. Give him ten more. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pushing that a little far, I think. Yeah, probably. I mean, parables. That seems like that's a good. I wouldn't be surprised if Veggie Tales has tackled some of those and that's, done some yeah. interesting. That's the sort of thing that, like, yeah, it's safe to do because they're making a point and not right. Right. Yeah. It's not a spoof. It's a it's a retelling in a humorous fashion. I guess that's better. So, way to put it. so Fantasia. Okay. <laughs> okay. Collection of your favorite psalms. Ooh, that's a neat idea. I mean, that would be a really interesting thing because, like, it's always interesting to hear psalms put to modern music and yeah. music in general. But then you take that music and then you animate Fantasia style to it. I'd be down for that. Yeah, that's I, I, that, I that's almost, a cool I, idea. I said it kind of joking, but, like, I like it now. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Although, you could do the same thing with the Book of Ezekiel. 
That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be super trippy. Oh, man. Ezekiel should be an anime. That's what I'm saying. The Valley of the Dry Bones. Oh, this cherubim, the living creature. Uh-huh. Actually, Ezekiel could also be like some super artsy. Avant-garde. Avant-garde sort of thing. thing. Like, I mean, like, it practically you, is already. It, it, it really, Ezekiel is weird. I mean, the prophets are all kind of weird. I see you had the worst job. I mean, like, <laughs> all right, God. He's like, I mean, when when you're talking to God, God, please, I'll do whatever, but I don't want to cook my food over dung, human excrement. <laughs> I mean, when that's the conversation you're having, God's asking you some weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's and like it's, he and like, and like horrible stuff. Like, okay, Job, so and so is going to die, or you? I think who is it, his wife? Someone dies, and he's like, you can't mourn for it. It wasn't Job, no. Not, I mean, Ezekiel. Oh, is it like, Ezekiel? Like, some some close Possibly, person yeah. dies to him, and it's like... You're not allowed to mourn. Mourn, for- because, I mean, he was a very... He was a living parable, basically, yeah. constantly. What a weird calling. It was, yeah, I never... No other prophet has to live in such an active way, living out God's parables. Kind of makes you wonder, maybe maybe that actually was Ezekiel's method of creativity. He was like an avant-garde kind of artist before <laughs> there was such a thing. And God was like, okay, that's the way we're going to do it. Yep. You never know. He's like, lay on your side for 180 days and stare at this pan and then build up. <laughs> and then like, doesn't he like build a little like thing and knock down this wall? Like he, yeah, he just constantly like worked it out in real life. It was very interesting. The, the visual demonstration prophet. Yep, basically. So yeah, I don't think I've ever seen an adaptation of that. I would, I think, the avant-garde or what was our first version? A Fantasia style. Either way, either way, do it. Yeah, I could really see an avant-garde version though. (laughs) Like, give it to um, Christopher Nolan, so we can like jump around time and stuff. Oh wow, that would be interesting. (laughs) No, Nolan has to do Revelation. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That could be. Don't do it. No. 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 Not really. No one needs to do Revelation, is it? I mean, the dance that you watch seems like about the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you can do that sort of thing. Well, I mean, the nice thing about doing it in the dance setting was because it was so abstract, you didn't think about, like, backgrounds and stuff. Yep. Like, how would you even set? Uh, most people probably just put it in the clouds, and that would just reinforce the, like, heaven is just floating up on clouds stereotype. See, see, if you did Revelation as a visual thing, you need to this is Don't do it this way. That, that <laughs> old... That old Lord of the Rings movie. Have you seen it? Oh gosh, with that like the what are the rotoscope or whatever they were doing. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I can go see the red background and the shapes moving slow. And oh, that's such a weird movie. It is a weird movie. It's way, way too long. Yeah. <laughs> what Bible sort have we not taken? We need a musical of some sort. A musical. Okay. Um. They've already done Joseph. They've done Joseph, yep. I mean, I'm sure they have some sort of Genesis out there. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say something really dark like Joe, but you know, I showed you that's uh on uh, that Michael Card album. Mm-hmm. Michael Card has an album of going through the Old Testament and he actually has this whole suite on Job, which really distills the story down superbly well. Oh he he do a great for a musical, like some sort of it had to be like a layman's like every, all You mean Job? Yeah, Job. It could be a rock album. <laughs> that it could be. I mean, Job is all about like the these deep explorations. Actually, and, it would work really well. It doesn't exist. It probably exists in some niche somewhere. Could niche. be. But I'd watch that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is in the book of poetry, so you can see how it could translate to the song, song really well. And you got there's lots of drama in it. And, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. 
Probably a book of poetry that should not be adapted, though, would be the Song of Solomon. Yes, let's not. Let's that's, that's just, <laughs> just keep that as a book. Yeah, it will keep that as a book. <laughs> um, those are Ecclesiastes. What do we do with Ecclesiastes? Well, Ecclesiastes doesn't really have a story, so I don't know. You could make it into a story, though, couldn't you? I, I Okay. Make it a story about Solomon, basically, being... Maybe. I mean, I feel like Ecclesiastes would just be a part of the the... The king, the, the the king's season. Like, how would well, you then, how how do you break up the, the the Samuel and King story? You would have like the first season is Samuel and Saul. Yeah. The second season is David. Would it be all David, or would you need multiple seasons for David? I, I think you'd have to have a season of just David in the desert before he's king. Okay. Okay. And then so you have to have David. David. David uh, second season is David bef- pre king, and then third season is David as king. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even I mean, you could. Pull a couple episodes out with the whole Absalom thing, though. I mean, you could have a whole season of David up through Bathsheba, and then all the whole season like Fallout, maybe depending on how detailed you get. Yeah, I guess you it, wouldn't have to. It depends. On you. Yeah, that's true. There's different ways you could do it depending on how how long you want to extend then, the story. Then you have Solomon. I mean, yeah, Solomon would be his own season. Yeah, and then you start having two, three episodes. Like Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel, that would be almost oh, that could almost be a season. whole season. Oh by man, itself. it'd be so great. <laughs> it'd be dark. Yeah, yeah. It'd be darker than most people think it should. I mean, the, I mean, we some people is probably like, oh man, yeah, this is something else. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so but Ecclesiastes would be like an episode or two of the Solomon season, I think. Yeah, it'd be like a um, really unique episode kind. Of, you know, like when Battle Five when they have the you know in section real time, uh-huh. you have a really the insular episodes where you don't see any of the other characters. It's just it's him just and it's just him, him in a room. And, yeah, 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 something like that. And dream sequences or something. Or yeah, I could see that. I'd like that. Although you could see, you could also have some like montages of him like surveying over all that he has built. Yeah, I then... think it would be a very montage ish. Yeah, thing. inner dialogue episode. Dunkirk. It could be really cool though. Yeah, I. Again, if you here's the thing, I think there's a lot of possibility to bring art to biblical stories mm-hmm. in order to, to raise up certain ideas in in a way that maybe yeah. Anyways, I just we already said that, but <laughs> just think of Solomon doing that. Just I'm like, man, that would be good. <laughs> okay, we need something for Leviticus. Do we? Yes. Uh, again, that's not that's not a narrative though. For most most of Leviticus is is giving the law. Yeah, but um, <laughs> come on, okay. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna think outside the box here. Okay, we need. Okay, here's what you do. So, so just bring a little adaptation to it. It's like a visual, like a comic booky, like how to manual. Okay. So it's yeah, it's not narrative, but it's like how to be holy. <laughs> well, maybe like a a YouTube channel. Like oh, I love that! Like a like a each, series of of how to videos. Yeah, or my first thought was originally podcasts, like talk show. But then, like, uh, yeah, if you when you said how to, it's like okay, then there's more of like a YouTube thing of actually like, that could be really effective as a understanding Leviticus. Really, I mean, expo- like, explanation like what was the purpose of these yeah, these rules? Like, Why was this helpful? Because there's certain things about, like, some of Leviticus feels very arbitrary. It's like, why did God have people do this? But, like, some of it, I've also heard, like, like, why couldn't they eat pork? Yeah. But I guess one theory I've heard is that, like, there's a certain way you have to preserve or prepare pork that, you know, they may not have realized early on. that. So it was probably a protective But I could see either straight up or kind of a... Tongue in cheek, how to Leviticus, you know, <laughs> but while well, 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 also bringing out that sort of like the, because the point of Leviticus is that like 
you're not holy. <laughs> like, to come yeah. before God, there's got to be blood. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't read Leviticus and not feel like, I'd be sacrificing animals, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, so, like, How so, did animals live long enough to be sacrificed? This and the thing is, they were probably, I mean, obviously, I think people brought just for the very distinct sins, but give you mm. that sense that just, yeah. I, I've always thought it'd be, not that I would actually do this for, like, Easter, like, bring some, like, if you brought an animal and sacrificed it for Easter. <laughs> it would be a very visual demonstration, but you'd also have, like, people really upset at you. People would be really upset, <laughs> but I'm like... Before Jesus, like, the temple was just bloody all the time. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, I'm a little random. But then again, it wouldn't have been quite, I mean, I'm sure it was shocking in a sense, but at the same time, people didn't just go to the grocery store to buy their meat at the, those days. No, I know. I think, but I think for us, sometimes that sort of shock would be interesting. Yeah. And not that we really want it, but talking about it is almost enough. I read today that Bonhoeffer said that every sermon needs a little, uh, needs a, Shock of heresy. I guess what he meant was you need to say a truth in a shocking way to get mm. people to see it suddenly like, oh, wait, like what? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, random. Yeah, that's a it's a good insight. So I, I, we've covered most of the Bible. I mean, you got Paul. Paul needs a good. Yeah. Have you ever seen the series AD? Was it still what was the same people did the Bible? Um, thing? I've seen I'm part, not sure. I've seen part of some sort of Paul series. Well, I don't know if that's the one or not. I, don't th- well what uh, what brunette was it brunettes oh yeah oh more modern th- no i'm thinking of one the one i'm thinking of was like from the 90s i think oh no i've not seen that then okay but what i mean it? It, it is a, it is a, a nice story about the book of acts basically okay acts could use i mean you could always do a very serious yeah drama could, of Acts. you could certainly go into even more detail with yeah the rise of the church and the i mean you could do an entire episode on just like the Jerusalem convention. <laughs> yeah. The I mean I'm always kind of amazed by some of what like what the early church did in terms of like setting the stage for Christendom yeah. for centuries. And the fact that after. they didn't require it, you're like, wow. You just like didn't require anything. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. The the fact that they they, they understood that, that this is where God was leading mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, it is pretty. It would have been an amazing time. It'd be it'd be fascinating. To, yeah, to do a full series on on that. And, and then yeah, I think Paul can always use more. Oh yeah, stuff. Yeah, more stuff with Paul. Because more time. I mean, they've often kept, kept Paul very. Because we don't know a lot of it in between the letters and stuff. So they've not. I've not seen a lot of stuff that tries to interpret interpolate. Is that the right word? It's a, it is a word. Yes, it is a word. <laughs> um, but if you had the right people, I think you could do even more. I mean, you'd have, you know, obviously you have to say, look, this is not Bible. This is yeah. our interpretation for right. stuff. But he's a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's there's probably been, yeah, I didn't think about that. I think, yeah, I think the people who did do the Bible did a lot more New Testament stuff later on. Yeah, I'd watch some I of that. I can't think of what it's called, though. Maybe just part of the Bible still and just kept going. Well, maybe. But I, I know I, I need to watch a lot more of that. And I'd be... Super curious, listeners, if there are some adaptations that in both halves of this this episode that we haven't talked about. That yeah, you I'm think sure there's should. lots of books that I have not. I know they. Oh, have, sure. Like Francine Rivers wrote a adaptation. Well, it was based on um, Hosea. Okay. You know about he has to marry the prostitute. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. But there's some sort of book. I think it's modernized and everything. Well, yeah, we've been talking a lot about visual stuff. But I'm sure that there's, there's tons of that book sort of stuff. There's t- yeah. There's a lot of different novels. That I think we talk can... visual just because that's where it's been done. At least in the big scale, you know, yeah. out, outside a little Christian, Christian publishing, yeah, yeah, because yeah, a lot of Christian authors have done biblical ad- adaptation at one point or another. Even Ted Decker has done some, hasn't he? Yeah, it? he did kind of a like 
crossing Jesus. You know, so I think almost everything Jesus says is from the Bible, but it's those characters not from the Bible interacting, interweaving. Okay. Sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, in books, it's probably almost most of the story. Now, again, I'm not sure I've seen a good Samuel King's one. Mm. I mean, I think there are some about David. Yeah. Um, I think there's a secular one called... Um, and there's probably some books about Esther and... Yeah. Well, we know jo- there's and Joseph. One. Oh, yeah. You said, yeah, the one. Okay. And Joseph, yeah. And, and like, uh, I not read it. It's a secular version. The Red Tent is about Dinah. Dinah? Like, um, Jacob's daughter. Wow, I don't even remember her. Like she gets she gets raped by Shechem. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but I think it's, it's a secular. I've not read it, hmm. but okay, I can see that. So there are there are people doing things. I think that yeah. Anyways, but there's always more possibilities. I think there's always more possibilities. And things like like the reason we have adapt, adaptation half the time because we always need to be made new for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Now, have you had any ideas for Christmas or Easter adaptations for plays that you have not actually tried yet? Or have you like run the gamut of all your initial ideas for this? Um, there's a there's not so much adaptation as I always I can't figure out how to do it. I want to do a Christmas one on the humiliation of God. That's kind of the theological term from my understanding of like that Jesus humbled himself to become a man. Okay, to be born as you know, I really want to make some sort of story that can really pull out that aspect of it. Huh. I can't I can't figure out the best way to do it in a way that will communicate it without just saying it. Mm-hmm. The idea that, like, what the Philippians says, you know, and so being found in the form of a man, he found, you know, I can't quote it, but Philippians yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't figure a good way to do it. Interesting. Other than that, no. I mean, Easter, I haven't touched except you did this, Saturday. Yeah. We talked about that in the play episode. Yeah. Podcast. Because it's hard to do that. You got, you got to be just more. I have thought about doing a, I guess I had thought about one time doing a news report style of, Easter, like people reacting to as if it was a modern day and it was on the news and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That could be cool. I, I haven't read, done that. I've done a Christmas news one style before, but yeah. Yeah, it's just to me, it's always about trying to find what's the kernel you want to bring out from this story, mm. to see what works. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that's our different what if. Yes. Not quite as insane as sometimes. <laughs> a little bit more realistic. I mean, we had some a few out there ideas. I mean, I, I do like the idea of the uh, the Psalms as Fantasia and the Book of Job as a rock opera. Uh, let's I think do the rock opera. That that's, that sounds promising. Get Andrew Lloyd Webber on that. It comes in the night. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, Tim, uh, we'll bow out, and then you have a soundtrack for us. But first, where can they find us? They can find all of our episodes at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, or Spotify. Spotify. And then you can join us for our, our side podcast, The Weekly Hijack, where we're finishing up Babylon 5. Yes. Season 5, getting late in Season 5 as the date of this release. If you haven't seen the show, it's available on Amazon Prime. Go check it out, and then you can listen through all the episodes along with us as, as you finish each one. Just be sure if it's your first time watching the show, skip the spoiler section at the end. Yes. All right, Tim, what's our soundtrack? Okay, for soundtrack today, I went to uh, Overclock Remix does these Christmas albums every year that they sometimes they are game music, sometimes not. The nice thing about these Overclock Christmas albums is that they don't have to follow all the same they have pretty strict guidelines for what constitutes an overclock remix, but these Christmas albums are just are tend to be more for fun. And this song is a um, it's by Cyril the Wolf, 
And it's a metal version of What Child Is This? That's a very different adaptation. Yes. This won't be for everyone, of course, because it's metal. But I thought it was interesting. And his actual, the actual name of the, the way he's, he says it in this remix is, What Child Is This? <laughs> Is is in capital letters nice. there. So anyway, uh, like I said, it will be for everyone, but I uh, hope you will enjoy it nevertheless. Well, I'll have to listen to it later because some of the some of the kids are coming out and they're going to sing here. Oh yeah! So. Wow, wow, they've really improved that tree. I'm not I sure. Know, it's her, nice. They added branches to it, and it's I, like I don't know how they did that. That's but. that's amazing. Is that a dog? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, he won, he won first place. He's got a really big nose. Yeah, some dogs do. That, that but that's okay. He seems like a good dog. Yeah. A fun nice dog. A fun we'll dog. We'll pet him. Yes. <laughs> hopefully he won't bite us. Yeah, hopefully not. We'll bring him food, he won't. <laughs> That's probably true. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes. Well, this has been Nick. And this is Tim. Adios. Feliz Navidad.
of King Selvig.